You are listening to a podcast produced by the New Zealand Centre for Political Research. Follow this and our other podcasts on nzcpr.com. Welcome to our podcast for the 11th of May, 2023, presented by Dr. Muriel Newman. The latest polling shows the Maori Party may hold the balance of power after the next election. How can a party that gained only 1.2% of the vote at the last election have such a major influence over our democracy? What purpose do the Maori seats serve? Should race be removed from our statute books? Here's Muriel Newman. The shock defection of the Labour Cabinet Minister, Mecca Whaiteri, to the Maori Party caught the Prime Minister and her former colleagues by surprise. They were blindsided, admitting they had no idea she was thinking of leaving the party. Her decision to ditch Labour, without the courtesy of even notifying the Prime Minister, has been widely condemned as disrespectful. Clearly, she had been harbouring resentment. Her time with Labour was not without controversy. In 2018, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern sacked her as a minister following allegations of bullying but she worked her way back to regain a ministerial position outside of Cabinet. However, the newly elected Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins, overlooked her for promotion into Cabinet during his first Cabinet reshuffle, and he did so again following Stuart Nash's resignation. Perhaps it was the elevation of a lower-ranked Maori caucus colleague, Willow Jean Prime, into Cabinet ahead of her, that led her to believe her future with Labour was in decline. Mecca Whaiteri first won the Ikaroa Rafati electorate in a by-election in 2013, following the death of Labour Cabinet Minister Parakura Horamia. The electorate stretches from Gisborne on the east coast down to Upper Hutt. She's now hoping the 13,642 voters who elected her to office, will remain loyal to her and not to Labour on election day. At her press conference, Mecca Whaiteri announced she'd informed the Speaker she'd resigned from Labour and joined the Maori Party, effective immediately. By writing to the Speaker and saying she'd resigned from Labour, Mecca Whaiteri should have triggered the Electoral Integrity Amendment Act. This walker-jumping legislation had been introduced in 2018 to prevent members of Parliament from upsetting the proportionality of Parliament by defecting from the parties they were elected to represent and staying on as independents. However, she hasn't been expelled from Parliament. Instead, the Speaker claimed the message he received from Mecca Whaiteri didn't say she was leaving Labour. He therefore ruled that Standing Order 35.5 applied. It states, quote, Any member who is not a member of a recognised party 
is treated as an independent member for parliamentary purposes. End quote. Not everyone agrees. Otago University law professor Andrew Geddes has questioned the decision, saying the intention of the defecting MP was unequivocal. He believes the matter is of such constitutional significance that the correspondence between the MP and the Speaker should be released to reassure the public that there's been no skullduggery. Quote, It's a constitutional question, and I'm not sure it's enough for the Speaker to say, trust me, I'm right, end quote. So at the present time, for parliamentary purposes, Mecca Fightery appears to be an independent MP representing the Ikaroa Rafati electorate, sitting alongside the Maori Party and voting with the Maori Party, but as far as electoral law is concerned, she remains a member of Labour. It's these sorts of shenanigans that bring Parliament into disrepute, as well as making the Labour Party, the Maori Party and the Speaker look ridiculous. Labour appears so desperate to avoid upsetting a party they may need to rely on to form the next government that they've decided not to expel their rogue MP from Parliament. But in doing so, they look to be turning a blind eye to the Maori Party's aggressive strategy of targeting three or four of their Maori seats as the next step towards winning all seven. If the Maori Party succeeds, they are likely to create an overhang of seats in Parliament, making it much harder for opposition parties to form a government. Furthermore, the Maori Party will introduce the most radically divisive policies ever seen in our Parliament, despite having very little public support. Should that be the election outcome, New Zealand's slide towards apartheid and social chaos will accelerate faster than ever. Those who are not concerned about these matters should be. This week's NZCPR guest commentator Frank Newman, a former local body councillor, reminds us how unstable tribal rule becomes once the different factions within Maoridom start competing for the spoils of governance. Quote, Chief of War is an action drama set in 18th century Hawaii. The storyline is about four warring tribes uniting against a much more powerful colonial invader. It's been billed as the biggest indigenous series ever made. There's no question it's a big deal financially, with a production budget of 340 million US dollars for the nine episodes. The lead actor is Hollywood superstar Jason Momoa, best known for his roles as the titular character in Aquaman and Carl Drogo in The Game of Thrones. Big-name Kiwi actors include Tamura Morrison and Cliff Curtis. The movie is of relevance to New Zealand because parts are to be filmed on location here. Filming started last October in the Bay of Islands, which welcomed the cast and entourage with great celebration and cultural fanfare at a pofery. Filming is also scheduled to take place in Auckland and was to take place at Kauri Mountain, which is on the east coast near Whangarei, where the scenery is spectacular. End quote. 
Frank explains that consents were obtained, sets constructed, some 300 extras from the Maori and Pacific communities were hired, and filming started until it all came to an abrupt halt with sets dismantled, extras let go, and the film crew disappearing because of the warring tribes of Northland. But he also highlights a much wider concern, quote, There is also now clearly emerging intergenerational conflict within Maori between more moderate iwi elders intent on working within the system and a younger generation of activists intent on destroying the system. Perhaps what we are seeing is a new generation that is the product of a radicalised education who will not be satisfied with anything less than sovereignty over all Aotearoa and all its inhabitants. The Maori Party is the flag bearer of that cause. End quote. In 2006, the former US President Barack Obama warned about the dangers posed by tribal politics. He said, Ethnic-based tribal politics has to stop. It is rooted in the bankrupt idea that the goal of politics or business is to funnel as much of the pie as possible into one's family, tribe or circle with little regard for the public good. It stifles innovation and fractures the fabric of society. Instead of opening business and engaging in commerce, people come to rely on patronage and payback as a means of advancing. Instead of unifying the country to move forward on solving problems, it divides neighbour from neighbour. This focus on radical self-interest rather than the public good was on clear display at Mecca Fighteri's press conference when the Maori Party co-leader, Rawiri Waititi, stated, quote, What Mecca has done is liberated Ikaroa Rafati from being a seat that's been locked to labour since the 1940s. This is an opportunity to bring this seat back into Te Iwi Māori, to Tangata Whenua, to be the true voice of our people, and not to be hamstrung by Pākehā parties and Pākehā agendas. End quote. If Labour forms a government with the Greens and the Māori Party after the election, our future will be in the hands of a party advocating Māori supremacy that is committed to ensuring Māori are not hamstrung by Pākehā. Under such a regime, the country would indeed be hamstrung, but by the tyranny of the minority. Since Hipuapua and Māori supremacy now appear to be the goals of Mecca Whaiteri, the question that needs to be asked is whether this was also the objective of her former Labour Party colleagues, along with the 15 members of the Māori caucus. And since Prime Minister Hipkins hasn't ruled out any Hipuapua policies, is Māori rule his objective as well? or at least a price he's prepared to pay to remain Prime Minister. It certainly seems so. The Prime Minister has given the impression that he's pulling the handbrake over co-governance, but isn't it the truth that even more radical separatist measures are waiting in the wings if Labour forms a government with the Greens and the Maori Party?
Given the current strength of those three parties in the polls, there is now a grave risk that if they win the election, the iwi leaders of multi-million dollar private business development corporations will become an elite ruling class, undermining democracy and relegating all other New Zealanders to second-class status. In that situation, will the majority voice even matter? Or will we effectively be treated like overstayers in our own country? The groundwork for tribal rule that has already been put in place is far more pervasive than most people realise. The tentacles of separatism that now reach across all spheres of the state sector have also invaded private enterprise. After another three years of consolidation under a Labour-led government, if the radical new initiatives being planned right now by the Maori Party are embedded in our legislative framework, the iwi takeover will be complete and totalitarian tribal rule will be virtually impossible to reverse. What's so perplexing about the plight now facing New Zealand is that we were warned about the danger in 1986. The Royal Commission on the Electoral System predicted that democracy would be undermined if MMP was adopted without the Māori seats being abolished. They predicted that Māori would be adequately represented through general and list seats, and they cautioned that if the Māori seats were retained, the democratic representation of the country would be seriously distorted, creating widespread race-based discrimination. And that's exactly what has happened. Following the 2020 election, Māori MPs are now grossly overrepresented in the new Labour government, making up 23% of the 65-strong parliamentary team and 25% of Cabinet. That has given a radical Māori voice a disproportionate influence. If those Māori seats were abolished, Labour would have ended up with nine Māori MPs or 14% of their cabinet, which is representative of the 13% of voters who identify as Māori. Furthermore, the ultra-radical Māori party that's supported by 1.2% of New Zealanders would not have made it into Parliament. Facing a situation where our electoral system has become so distorted that anti-democratic radicals could deliver apartheid rule, surely it's time to protect our democracy and our future as a free and equal society while we still can. Firstly, we should follow the recommendation of the Royal Commission and abolish the Maori seats. And secondly, given the disastrous range of separatist measures that have now been imposed on our country, including three waters and a health system that prioritises Māori over others in greater need, we should emulate what Sweden, Holland, Belgium, France, Austria, Germany and other countries have done and remove all references to race from our statute books. Turning New Zealand back into a society where all Kiwis are equal under the law is the only way to build a strong and united future. Otherwise, we risk descending into the toxic race-based abyss currently being planned 
by the Maori Party and their allies. That's it for this week. Don't forget to visit www.nzcpr.com if you'd like to register for our free newsletter. Take part in our poll or access a treasure chest of valuable information. See you soon. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by NZCPR Media.